Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. All right, good morning, Vintage Church. Oh, that was awesome. Um, my name is John McCann. I have an opportunity to serve as one of the pastors here at Vintage Church, and it has been such an amazing morning so far. Let's give it up for the worship team for doing such an incredible job. That blended family between Vintage and Harvest has been absolutely amazing. Um, and this is an amazing Sunday, as you've heard said, that today is our first Sunday as our merger is coming and it's coming together, and we are one family now. Let's give it up for the Harbor Church family, Harbor Community Church. Pastor James and his wife and his family has done such an amazing job serving the city over, for over the past 13 plus years. So we are so excited to have them here today. Today is also an amazing Sunday to be here because it's the very first Sunday following Mardi Gras. <laughs> oh, <laughs> y'all partied a little too hard. Um, how many people had a good 2019 Mardi Gras? Make some noise. All right. All right, awesome, awesome. So one way you can tell if someone had a successful Mardi Gras is based upon what did they catch at the parade? So, you know, some people, you know, you could say you had a fun time, but your proof is what in what you have. And um, so some people, they caught some shoes. Who caught some shoes? All right, a couple people. And um, on Fat Tuesday, in case you don't know, there's a golden nugget that a lot of people in New Orleans tried to catch. And do you know what that golden nugget is? Coconuts, yes. Coconuts, you want one? Here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, so, so coconuts is a big thing on Fat Tuesday. If you don't know, you didn't have a successful Fat Tuesday if you didn't catch any coconuts. So it's interesting, a little story about how this got started. About 100 years ago, they were going to the parade. They didn't have any money to afford anything else to throw out. So they went to the marketplace. They bought some coconuts. They started throwing them at people. People liked them getting thrown coconuts, and it just became a thing. And now people live and die for these coconuts. So um, a little bit about these coconuts. I remember uh, growing up as a kid, my parents used to always take us out of town. So once I got into college, I went to Loyola. Anybody from Loyola in the building? <laughs> it's me and you. We're going to represent. Um, <laughs> I went to Loyola, and that's when I first started going to Zulu. And I remember I was so excited because I wanted to catch some coconuts. I heard a lot of information about these coconuts, and I went to my first parade, and I went to Zulu. And guess how many coconuts I caught? None. Zero. So I was just so upset, and I was like, next year I'm going to go out, and then I'll go out, and then I'll catch one or two. But I found out a little secret. If you want to catch a lot of coconuts, all you have to do is make a sign, and it says it's your first Mardi Gras, and <laughs> they'll just give them to you. Now, I didn't do that, but I saw other people doing that. Um, but what I did and what I found out, every year I would try to break my record. So one year I got two, and then I got three. And then last year I was like, man, I really want to break this record. I want to catch a lot of coconuts. And another secret that I found out is that if you go up to the float and you pretend like you know the person, um, you're like, hey, it's me. Good to see you. You know, they feel bad because they don't remember where they know you from. Um, and then they just kind of toss it to you. So I did that, and it was amazing. I caught over 10 coconuts. I broke my record, yes, and I have some with me today. So if you are here, this was your first Mardi Gras, and you went out on Fat Tuesday, and you were like myself, you were not successful in catching a coconut, and you're in this section, raise your hand. Okay, all right, this section, raise your hand. All right, you want this one? Oh, we should come out here in the open. I don't want to hit anybody. I'm going to toss it. I'm going to toss it. Go out in the open. Go get it. Go get it. All right, all right. 
All right, come up a little closer. Come up a little closer. <laughs> All right, stay right there. All right, let's see if she catches it. Hey! Amazing. All right, I have one more coconut. In this section, if you went to parade on Fat Tuesday and you didn't catch a coconut, raise your hand. Or if you just never caught a coconut, raise your hand. All right, run up to the front. Run up to the front. Let's give it up for her. All right, right there. All right. Hey, she caught it. Absolutely amazing. Um, so I was able to break that record. Um, and as I think about breaking records, so many people attempt to break records. You know, you have the Guinness uh, Book of World Records. People try to break all these different records. I was reading someone was trying to break a record on how many socks they can put on one foot in 30 seconds. Um, so you have all types of crazy records that people try to break all the time. Um, and this past week, I was looking online, and another record was broken. Um, they have a, a little TV show out that a lot of people like to watch called Game of Thrones. Anybody watch Game of Thrones in here? A couple of people? You don't want to make too much noise because of <laughs> we're not going to judge you. This is a judge-free zone. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was watching, and they broke a record. They had 81 million views to their trailer in less than 24 hours. Um, so I'm not going to get into too much on what Game of Thrones is about, but a lot of people like to watch it. And it's kind of based back in the day, and I always love the scenes that they have where someone's about to get killed, and they ask them, like, what are your final words? Do you have any last words? You know, and a person usually yells out something like, long live the king, and then they chop off their head. Um, and, and different things like that happen. But it's so interesting that they always give these people an opportunity to share their last words. And if, if you think about it, I don't know if you know anyone that may have been sick and dying or different loved ones, but there's something to be said about someone's last words. It's something to be said. And, and, and here at Vintage, we are going through the last sayings of Jesus' last words on the cross. And we're going to be looking at the saying, today you will be with me. Today you will be with me. Last week, our lead pastor, Pastor Dustin Turner, kicked off a wonderful sermon on Father, forgive them. Let's give it up for Pastor Dustin, our lead pastor. Thank you so much. He does an amazing job serving here at Vintage Church. He kicked that off. But this, today I'm going to be looking at today you will be with me. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter 23. Um, if you don't have your Bibles, you can raise your hand. Our wonderful Connect team is coming down. We would love to place a Bible in your hand. We believe that there's nothing better that you can do, and we say it every Sunday, than take God's word home, read it, and let it transform you. So we're going to be looking at Luke chapter 23. Verses 39 through 43, um, and, and we're looking at, at this statement, we're going to get to it, it says, today you will be with me. Today, this is a statement, we're going to study this, this is a statement that Jesus is saying to one of the criminals. And the reason why this statement is so significant is because he's saying this to someone who appears to be too far gone. Someone who was guilty, someone who, who had did many, many, many bad things and so many crimes. He's saying it to this person who seems too far gone. And if we're honest with ourselves, sometimes we might look at our lives, we might look at where we want to be, we might look at where God has called us to be, we might look at all of our mistakes, all of our brokenness, all of our shortcomings. You know, we try to get up and we try to do it right, but then we fall. We try to love our enemy, but then we do something else to our enemy. It's not holy. 
We, we try to do all these different things, and sometimes if we're honest with ourselves, we find ourselves in a position where we feel too far gone. Has anybody ever felt like that before? Too far gone. Too far gone. How can God use me? How can God love me? How can God reach me? I look at where I'm at. I'm not, I don't have my stuff together. How can God reach me where I'm at? This criminal who appears to be too far gone, we see Jesus say to him, today you will be with me. Let's begin reading at verse 39. It says, one of the criminals who were hanged railed at him saying, are you not the Christ? Save yourself. So when you first read that, you're like, oh, this is a nice criminal. He's telling Jesus to save himself. But then he says, and us. He wanted to be saved too. Um, And we go to verse 40, it says, but the other rebuked him saying, Do you not fear God, since you are under the same sentence of condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, truly, somebody say truly. I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. And our main focus for this morning is that we could see this truth found in the scripture that Jesus's love and power has no limit. And for some of us, we, we felt too far gone. And for some of us, it's not that we felt too far gone, but we look at other people and we judge them. And we say, they're too far gone. God's love and power can't reach them. God's love and power can't reach me where I'm at. God's love and power can't reach me with what's going on. But we're going to read in this passage and we're going to lean into this truth that Jesus' love and power has, has no limit. It, it doesn't matter what circumstance you're in. It doesn't matter what, what you've done. It doesn't matter how guilty you might be or how guilty someone else might be. Jesus' love and his power It has no limits. And as we lean into this passage, there's a couple things that we can take. Uh, The first thing we can take is Jesus' love and power, and we see this happen right here with the criminal on the cross. It reaches us where we are. It reaches us where we are. So so as you think about this, Jesus is on this cross, and he is dying. And in Isaiah 700 years prior, it says that Jesus was going to die amongst criminals, amongst sinners. And it's so interesting, our Savior, the king of the world, he's born in the manger by animals, and he dies on a cross next to criminals. And as we look at this criminal, there's a couple things that we can take because I don't want us to miss this this truth that that Jesus' love and power reaches us where we are because some of us feel like we're far from God. Some of us feel like we've made too many mistakes. Some of us feel like we are not meeting the standard. This, this criminal, if anybody could have felt like they were too far gone, this criminal has the right to feel that. So let's look at this criminal. What can we learn about this criminal and, and through God's word? One is this criminal is guilty. He's guilty. He's guilty. As you look at that word criminal in this Greek translation, it means evil working men. And if you look in Matthew and Mark, you will see that they describe these criminals as robbers and thieves. And these robbers and thieves, not only did they steal from the people of the time, but then they took pleasure and hurting the people they were stealing from. These people are guilty. And for you and I, if we look at our lives, many of us are guilty. 
We haven't been the best follower of Christ. By default, we're born into sin, so right there we're guilty. And we always find ourselves guilty just like this criminal. He is guilty. And what else can we know about these criminals? These criminals also mock Jesus. They mock Jesus. In Matthew 27 and 44, it says, And the robbers who were crucified with him also reviled him in the same way. So these criminals, before this this text, before we get to this text, these criminals are mocking Jesus. And we still see Jesus' love and power reach them where they are. Not only are they guilty, but they're mocking Jesus. How many of us mock Jesus? If not with our words, with our actions, with our thoughts, they mock Jesus. And lastly, the criminal is in pain. He's in pain. He's on a cross. He's being crucified. A Roman crucifixion was nothing pleasant. He's in pain. And we see this person, and we see this person who is guilty. We see this person who has all these uh, negative and evil actions. We see this person in this condition, and we see that Jesus' love and power reaches him where he's at. And for you and I, that is good news. I don't know about you, but I'm so thankful that it doesn't matter how guilty I have been. It doesn't matter how bad my actions have been. It doesn't matter what condition I might find myself in. Jesus' love and power has no limit, and it has the ability to reach you and I no matter where we are. Can we thank God for that? I don't know about you, but I look over my life, and I see where I've been. I've seen how broken I've been. I've seen my life before I accepted and trusted in Jesus Christ, and it looked like it was impossible to reach me where I was. Jesus' love and power reaches you. And for some people, you need to take that in. You're looking at your life, you're looking at where you, what you have going on, you're looking around, you're looking at your conditions, you're looking at your actions, you're looking at all these things that this criminal could have been focusing on. And you feel like, how can Jesus' love and power reach me? He can, because it has no limit. And for some of us, Jesus, he's knocking. He's knocking on the door of our hearts. Let me in. I want want to be with you. I want to transform you. I want to use you. Let me in. Some people aren't opening the door. Maybe you watch too many scary movies. You think a monster is going to come in, chop your head off. How many people like scary movies? By show of hands? Okay. A good amount. Me too. And uh, one of my favorite scary movies, y'all might have seen this, was The Hills Have Eyes. Y'all like that movie? Some of y'all? It's scary. So if you, if you like scary movies, you need to go watch it. Well, recently I had an experience where the hills had eyes. <laughs> I, was, I was in Vegas last weekend, and we went out to Arizona to go uh, ride some ATVs in the desert. And we're, we're driving, and, and, and the guy who's our tour guide, we're driving, and he's like, we're getting ready to go into no man's land, guys. So I'm looking around, I'm like, what is that? He's like, we're going to be driving next 20 or 30 miles. There's going to be nothing around. So I'm like, oh, brother. Um, So we're driving out there. He's like, don't worry, I'm with you. You know, I'm packing. And I'm like, all right, well, that's good to know. Um, (laughs) And we're driving out there in the middle of the desert, in the middle of nowhere in Arizona, and I'm just looking at these hills, and I'm hoping that these hills don't have eyes. Um, and, and he tells us about a story about how they were out there riding the ATVs, and he tells us that it's so important for us to follow and stay behind him, because if we, if we get lost, we lost. 
So he tells us this story about somebody who decided to take a shortcut when they were following him, um, and they end up getting lost in the middle of the desert. They end up getting lost in the middle of the desert, and they had no service out there, and they had this person who found himself in the middle of the desert, 20, 30 miles away from everybody else, didn't know where to go, just driving around in a circle, runs out of gas. Finds himself stuck in a desert. Tries to call people, can't get in touch with anyone. And he looks around in this situation, and I could just imagine him saying, man, I hope these hills don't have eyes. <laughs> you know, just, just out there. You know, not feeling too far gone, thinking that it's over. And for you and I, some of us, that's how we feel. Feel like we're in a desert, just too far gone, too far gone for God's love, too far gone for God to use us, too broken, too messed up. And some of us, we don't, we, some of us, we might not think that about ourselves, but we think that about other people. We look at other people that don't go to church, that don't follow Jesus, and we judge them. Look at them, they're too far gone. Thankfully, they were able to get a helicopter and save this man before the hills got them. Um, but I share that story because as followers of Jesus, we're never too far gone. You're not too far gone. Jesus' love and power can find you right where you are. He knows where you are. And his love and power wants to reach you and to come into your life right where you are. And as his love and power comes into your life, he wants to come and meet you right where you are so he can transform you right where you are, which is our next point that we see in this text, that Jesus' love and power not only reaches us where we are, but it transforms us where we are. It transforms us. As we look at verse 40 through 42, it says, But the other rebuked him, saying, this is one of the criminals saying to the other criminal, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation. And we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds, but this man has done nothing wrong. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. So what's happened? This man who was mocking Jesus, all of a sudden is transformed. He's transformed. We see him stopping the other criminal from, from, from messing with Jesus. And we see this and people think, well, how did he get transformed? He's on the cross. Potentially, he heard the crowd saying, you've saved others. Why don't you save yourself? Potentially, he's thinking about that. Potentially, he saw the sign that said king of the Jews. Potentially, he heard Jesus forgiving others. We're not sure what it was, but God's love meets him and God's sovereignty transforms him right where he's at. And as we look at this criminal and we can see this transformation taking place, there's a couple things I want you to take from the text. Number one is that this criminal fears God and confesses his guilt. And when we are saved and when we experience transformation, the first thing we have to do is fear God. What does it say? He says, do you not fear God? He's saying this to the other criminal. He fears God and he confesses his guilt. He says, we indeed justly recognizes that he was guilty. The next thing this criminal experiences and does as he's transformed is he recognizes Jesus as king and Lord. What does he say in verse 42? He said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. For in order for someone to come into their kingdom, they have to be a king. 
He's recognizing Jesus as his Lord and as his king. After he's transforming you and I, when we're transformed by the power of the gospel, we have to fear God, but then we have to recognize God as Jesus, as king and Lord. So we see this, and what else can we take from the criminal as, as he's transformed where he is at? Is that he makes his confession personal and public. Check this out. I love this. He says, Jesus, remember me. Remember me. He makes it personal. And he had to make it public because someone had to hear it to write it down. So he said it loud enough for other people to hear it. So he makes this personal and he makes this public. And, he, and these people are transformed right where they are. This criminal in particular, he's transformed right where he's at. So because Jesus' love and power not only meets us where we are, because he knows where you are, but he has the power to transform you where you are. And some of us, we're in certain situations, and we're looking around, and we're like, I know that Jesus' love and power might be able to reach me, but look how messed up I am. Does anybody ever look in the mirror and be like, I'm messed up? I do. Because the truth of the matter is we're all messed up. Now, you can look in the mirror and say, I'm messed up, but I still look good. Maybe you do look good. But you're still messed up. I don't care how good you look. But, 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 but we have this reality that we are messed up. And some of us, we might be looking around, we might be looking at how messed up other people are, we might be looking at how messed up we are, and we might be thinking, Jesus' is love and power, it might be able to reach me where I'm at, but it can never transform me. But right here in this passage, we see that the power of the gospel transforms this criminal. Transforms this criminal. I have a lot of spit coming out. This is the holy section right here. <laughs> get some water on you, get healed in Jesus' name. I'm going to sell my saliva for, no, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> but, but we see that Jesus' love and power can transform us where we are. I think about this, this iPhone. I love, I'm on team iPhone. But every now and then they like to send a little notification that says, it's time for your upgrade. It's time for your software upgrade. And I remember, like, all right, I clicked yes. But then they said, oh, we can't upgrade it because it's not plugged in. So I was like, all right, that night I plug it in. Wake up the next morning. It still hasn't been transformed. It still hasn't been upgraded. Like, you need to be connected to Wi-Fi. I'm like, all of this? I don't need to, I don't need to upgrade all of this. And then, and then once I'm in this particular condition, once I'm in this particular position, then my phone is able to be upgraded and transformed. And for you and I, the, re, the truth in that is that a lot of us feel like we have to have all these things lined up. We feel like we have to get ourselves to a certain place. We feel like we have to be serving in the church. We have to have enough scripture memorized. We feel like we have to have all of these things together in order for Jesus to transform us. But we don't need any of that together because this man is on the cross and he is still transformed by the power of God. And God can still transform us no matter where we are. He can transform us. It doesn't matter how bad you think you are. He can transform you. He can transform you. This man is transformed. And, it's, and the last thing I want us to take from Jesus' love and power is that not only does Jesus' love and power reach us where we are, not only does it transform us where we are, but it also moves us from where we are. <laughs> this is good. What, what does it say in verse 23, 43? It says, and he said to him, truly I say to you, Today you will be with me in paradise. Wow. Wow. This, this man 
experiences this salvation, then he gets this promise that, that today he will be with Jesus in paradise. And what do we see happening? We see him being moved from someone who has no home, someone who's lost on the street, to someone who's brought into the family of God. And when we are transformed, God moves us from being broken to being healed. He moves us from being fearful to being faithful. He moves us and he makes us new creatures. He's made all of us new creatures. And once we put our faith in Jesus Christ and we repent from our sins, he makes us new. He moves us. And as we think about this criminal, there's a couple things you can pull from the text. The first thing you can pull is that this criminal receives the forgiveness of Jesus. He, for, he receives the forgiveness of Jesus. Why does Jesus say truly before he makes this statement? Why does he say truly? Because he wanted it to be known that this man had received salvation. And what's so fascinating about this text is that there's no other account in Scripture where someone is given more assurance, more directly than this, of salvation. No one else in Scripture, we see different things, not even, not even Paul. No one else is given this much assurance in passage in the Scripture besides this criminal. But it's so fascinating because to the naked eye, you would think no one else deserves it. Less than this criminal. Isn't that funny? The person who you think will least deserve it. Some of us, we think we don't deserve it, God's love, because of what we've done. This criminal, the person who you least think deserves this love, gets the most assurance in, passage, in this scripture. This is absolutely amazing. And as we look at the criminal, not only does he receive the forgiveness of Jesus, but he's also promised the presence of Jesus. What does he say? Today you will be with me. You will be with me. There's a promise that as, as, as I'm going to take you from here to here, not, you're not only just going to go here, but I'm going to be with you as you go here. That's amazing. And, and then lastly, this criminal is promised the kingdom of Jesus. It says you will be with me in paradise. And what's so fascinating about this passage, this is one of the greatest demonstrations of salvation as it relates to us being saved through grace by faith alone. And that's what salvation is. We are saved through grace by faith alone. And a lot of people, they look at this passage and they're like, what is so significant about this saying? What's so significant is that this criminal had no time to act. He had no time to love other people. He had no time to serve. He had no time to get baptized. He had no time to do all these things, but still he's promised salvation. Isn't that amazing? And guess what? For you and I, that's something that we have to constantly fight because we're in such a performance-driven culture and society that says that you are going to get here based on what you do. If you can do this well, you'll get a promotion. If you can get this, do this well, you'll get an award. But when it comes to salvation and our relationship with God, you cannot earn your way into heaven. You can't earn your way into heaven. That is a lie from the pit of hell. We are saved through grace. Faith alone. This man on this cross, this criminal, he's saved. He's saved through grace, the gift of grace. It's an amazing gift. When we talk about it, but we should never, ever get tired of talking about the grace of God. And that grace is available for everyone in this room. And it's so fascinating because these criminals who were up there, who were guilty. The world is looking at them. Potentially the world looks at us as some of the things that we've done. 
as some of the, the things that we've been a part of, and, and, and says to us, shame on you. Shame on you for not loving your spouse like you should. Shame on you for not loving your enemy like you should. Shame on you for messing up here. Shame on you for messing up there. Shame on you for not being perfect. The world likes to yell, shame on you, but Jesus Christ dies on the cross to take the shame off you. Takes the shame off us. He takes the shame off of this criminal. And and, and as we get ready to close, I want to give you a couple closing encouragements and and challenge. And as we think about the result of Jesus' love and power, there's a couple things that we should do that I want to encourage you with real quickly. Number one is receive Jesus. Receive Jesus. If you don't know Jesus and you're hearing, we're looking at this story and we're looking at the power of Jesus' love and the power that he has. As we look at this and you don't know Jesus, you need to receive Jesus today. Put your faith in Jesus today. You know what's so fascinating about this passage? How many criminals were up there of Jesus? Two. But only one receives Jesus. And what, what can we take from that? That proximity and opportunity doesn't guarantee security. They both were the same distance from Jesus. But Jesus' sovereignty works and moves on one of their hearts, and he receives Jesus. For you and I, if you don't know Jesus, today can be the greatest day of your life. Receive Jesus. Stop running from him. His love and his power wants to reach you where you are. Wants to transform you where you are and wants to move you from where you are. Receive Jesus. The next thing that we should do as a result of Jesus' love and power is that we should revere Jesus. Revere Jesus. Deep respect. Have a deep respect for our Savior. He deserves it. Revere Jesus. And lastly, resemble Jesus. Resemble Jesus. So important for us to resemble Jesus because, like I said, for some of us, we're hearing this truth about God's love, about Jesus' love and his power, and we're receiving it and we've accepted it, but we're not resembling Jesus by believing it for other people. I'm guilty of it myself. I look at some people and I say, huh, they're not going to get saved. They're too far gone. But we should resemble Jesus. And as I think about resembling in Jesus, you know, Facebook has this feature that came out a couple years ago. And some of you all might know this feature. And this feature, um, basically, it notifies you when someone posts a picture of you that you're not aware of. So this is a good feature. I notify you says someone has posted a picture of, your, of you that you want to tag it. So what this does, it helps people from using your good looks um, to catfish other people. Um, <laughs> If you don't know what catfishing people is, it means you take someone who looks better than you and you pretend like that is you so you can get a girlfriend on the Internet. Um, So you wouldn't believe what happened to me. I get a notification that someone has used my picture and they did not tag me. So I'm like, oh, boy, let's see what's going on here. So I open it up and guess what? It's not a picture of me. Guess who it's a picture of? My brother, <laughs> my younger brother, he's a year and a half younger than me. And we resemble, I mean, we, we're brothers, but I don't think we look that much like, but Facebook thought it was me. So they notify me. And then a couple months later, another picture goes up, I get another thing. And I keep getting all these notifications because people are posting pictures of my brother and Facebook thinks it's me. So, so, so I, I share that to say, 
Imagine with me if Jesus had a Facebook account. And there was a picture taken of your life. Will he get a notification saying that, hey, someone out there resembles you? Does our life look like that? Does it? Do we resemble Jesus? Do we look more like Jesus? Are we having gospel conversations? Are we loving people like Jesus? Resemble Jesus. So as we get ready to close and we lean into this truth that his love and his power has no limit. It has no limit. It can reach you where you are. I don't care how far gone you think you are. I don't care how far gone you think someone else in your life is. Don't forget this truth. Jesus says, truly, you will be with me today. His love and power has no limit. So will you accept it? Will you accept the love and power that's found in Jesus? And I plead with you to accept it. I know for myself when I accepted this truth of Jesus' love and power in my life, it changed everything. Changed everything. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus changes everything. So will you accept it? Will you accept this truth that Jesus' love and power has, no matter what's going on in your life, it has no limit. Let's pray. The Lord God, I just come before your presence, God, just saying thank you, God, for your love, your mercy, and your grace, God. As we look at this passage and as we look at this saying, God, let us lean into the truths that are found in this passage, God. Let us know, God, no matter where we are, no matter what our actions have been, no matter how guilty we are, no, no, no matter what the condition might be, dear Lord God, let us know and let us lean into this truth that your love and power finds us where we are. And your love and power can find other people where they are as well, God. Right now, dear Lord God, I just pray in this moment, God, as we are in this Lent season, that, that you will speak to us, God, and that you will find us where we are and that you will continue to find others where they are, dear Lord God. And not only will you find us, God, but I pray that we will embrace the transforming power of your gospel. Thank you, God, for transforming me. Thank you for transforming my brothers and sisters in this room. We don't take that transformation lightly. So God, we pray that you will be with us and that you will move us to where you have called us to be. Yes, God, we know that the, the big truth behind that is that through glorification, we are going to be moved from here on earth to with you in eternity forever, God. But even in the process, God, let us trust you. So I pray for everyone in this room, God, no matter how far gone that they think they might be, no matter how far gone the people in our community might be, God, we lean into this truth. We lean into this truth, God, that the people that we see at our jobs, the people that we see in our neighborhood, the people that we see in this, this city, this nation, in this world, we believe and we lean into this truth that your love and power has no limit. So we accept it. We accept it in our lives. We accept it in our hearts. And we put our faith in you and in you alone. Unlike you, there is no other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.